God. Well, this is Resurrection uh, uh, Sunday. I was, uh, I was watching a, a particular program the other day, and uh, a guy that uh, uh, kind of goes out in crowds of people and asks some questions. And you'd be surprised at how many people has no idea what Easter is in the United States of America. And they ask uh, one lady, well, what, is, what is Easter? And she said, uh, the birth of Jesus. And, uh, and others they'd ask and they'd look at him like, I have no idea. And they asked one person, what about, what do you think about Good Friday? They said, we never shop on that day. <laughs> you know, it's amazing. That's in the United States of America. And, uh, so I'm telling you something. I want, Easter is the day that we celebrate that if it wasn't for this day we celebrate, none of the other days would matter because Jesus would have been just like everybody else, every prophet or whatever. He had been nothing more than a martyr, but he wasn't. He rose. And I want to read the story in Mark chapter 16 and, and can take, kind of maybe take this a little different direction than what you would think I would do it on Easter service, but, but I'm going to do the way the Lord spoke to me to do it and dealt with me to do it, and we're going to, and we're going to be blessed, and, and we're going to have a greater appreciation of Jesus Christ today. In verse 1 of chapter 16, it says, Now when the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome bought spices that they might come and anoint him. Very early in the morning on the first day of the week, they came to the tomb when the sun had risen. And they said among themselves, Who will roll away the stone from the door of the tomb for us? And, but when they looked up, they saw that the stone had been rolled away, for it was very large. And entering the tomb, they saw a young man clothed in a long white robe sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. But he said to them, do not be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He is risen. He's not here. See the place where they laid him? But go and tell his disciples and Peter that he is going before you into Galilee, where you will see him as he said to you. So they went out quickly. Fled from the tomb, for they trembled and were amazed, and they said among the, nothing to anyone, for they were afraid. Now when he rose early on the first day of the week, he appeared first to Mary Magdalene, out of whom he had cast out seven demons. She went and told those who had seen him, and as they mourned and wept, and when they heard that he was alive and had been seen by her, they did not believe. After that, he appeared to another form, uh, he appeared in another form to two of them as they walked and went into the country and they went and told it to the rest, but they did not believe them either. Later, he appeared to the eleven as they sat at the table and he rebuked their unbelief and hardness of heart because they did not believe those who had seen him after he had risen. You know, it's still, it's still the same way today. You, we talk about the resurrection of Christ, talk about Jesus Christ. They still don't believe. There's many people who still don't believe that. And I tell you, but we are, and we're blessed because of it. But, you know, I was thinking about this, and I wanted to read this first because I've watched TV programs before, and some of y'all have too, that uh, you, they'll, you'll see a scene, and all of a sudden it'll come on the screen, and, uh, but 10 days before, or 48 hours prior to this. Y'all ever seen those? that They, they take it back. So I'm going to take us back three days. I'm going to go back three days because if we forget those three days, if, if we're just focused on the resurrection, which thank God for the resurrection because that's a, that's a powerful part of this story, but I'm telling you what, the three days prior to this is what we're going to look at a little bit this morning and then we're going to jump back on this day. And uh, so 
I, I read it in First John. I'm going to read some scripture, and I'm going to read some other. Just minister along the way. And I'm telling you, if I get emotional, you'll have to just forgive me because, man, I it was it was rough last night studying this. Uh, in First John chapter three verse eight. The Bible says the reason the Son of God was made manifest or visible was to undo, to destroy, to loosen and dissolve the works the devil has done. You know, a lot of people can't, can't tell the difference of what, when it's God doing something and when the devil's doing something. But Jesus tells us through the Word, everything that Jesus did. Did you realize when Jesus walked on the earth, when he worked for, what, three years, three and a half years, he was working and, and healing the sick, raised dead, doing all those things. He was undoing something. He was undoing what the devil had done. And so a lot of people have a hard time hard grasping the fact that Jesus didn't come to undo what God had done. He come to undo what the devil had done. In fact, he said, I always do those things that please my father. And so uh, he, uh, we, we have this in the Bible so we will understand something. The devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy, Jesus said. And then Jesus, three days prior to the story we just read about the resurrection, he was in the garden of Gethsemane and he was praying. He was praying in that garden and listen to what he was doing. Listen to what he was saying. Luke 22, 42 and 44 says, Father, Jesus is praying. I'm, I'm kind of cutting the story short for sake of time. He says, Father, it is, if it is your will, take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Then an angel appeared to him from heaven, strengthening him, and being in agony, he prayed more earnestly. Then his sweat became like great drops of blood falling to the ground. You know, you think about Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. Now, you've got to understand something. He's about to be arrested. He's about to be taken before Pilate. He's about to uh, go through some excruciating things, and he's in there and he's praying, God, listen, if there's any other way, if we can do this any other way, let this cup pass from me. And then he says, nevertheless, listen to me. His flesh was trying to uh, get in there. Why? Because he said in one gospel, he said, the flesh, is, the spirit's willing, but the flesh is weak. And so he said, listen, the flesh, listen, Jesus, there's got to be another way. Jesus said, God, if there's any other way, and I guarantee you, he heard the father say, there is no other way. This is the plan. This is the purpose. You're it. You're the lamb of God. And so the Bible says he was in agony. Agony. I'm talking about he was in agony uh, in that garden praying. And the Bible says his sweat became like great drops of blood falling to the ground. I'm telling you, the reason you said, wonder why he was in, it was such an excruciating time in his life in the garden of, uh, of Gethsemane before they came and arrested him. Let me tell you why it was so excruciating for him in that garden, knowing what was about to take place that those was going to come get him. Here's why. In John 5.39, the Bible says, You search the Scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life, and these are they which testify of me. Je Listen, Jesus knew what the Scripture said would come to pass. Jesus knew what the Bible said, what we call the Bible, the scrolls they had back then, the book of Isaiah and such as that. In fact, Jesus, when he came down from the Mount of Temptation and he went and they handed him the book of the prophet Isaiah, you know what he did? The Bible says when he, when he was handed the book, let me read it. 
When he was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah, and, and when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written. Written about who? See, when he looked in Isaiah, the Bible says they handed him the book and he opened it up to a particular passage of Scripture that was about him. He says this, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted and to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who were oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. And I'm telling that's in Isaiah 61. Listen, he knew that scripture. He knew what that scripture said, and he went straight to it and told them, here's what I'm here to do. I'm here to set captives free. I'm here to proclaim the gospel to the poor. I'm here to deliver the oppressed. Now, he knew that scripture and he knew all the scriptures in the Bible that was testifying of him, of what he was going to do, what was going to be done to his life. And, could, and here's what I got to think of. When I was sitting there last night reading, oh my gosh, and uh, reading a, 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 tic, a particular book that I had, somebody had given me. I, it was just on my office with this one day and it's called Paid in Full by Rick Renner. Oh my gosh, I, I sit down and I, I don't know how much of that book I read last night, but I read and, and I, I wept, I cried, I couldn't hardly read, I couldn't hardly do, just listen. And But God was already telling me to preach this message when I picked the book up. And I was sitting there thinking, here Jesus is in the garden saying, God, if there's any other way, let this cup pass from me. Now if he knew what Isaiah 61 said, he knew what Isaiah 52 said. And I want to read what Isaiah 52, 14 says. It says this. I should have already been there. Let's start with verse 13. And New King James says, For my, behold, my servant shall deal prudently. He shall be exalted and extolled and be very high. Just as many were astonished at you, so his vestige was marred more than any man and his form more than the sons of men. Listen, he's talking about the sin-bearing servant, Jesus Christ. He's talking about what he was gonna, uh, what he was gonna look like during this process of going on. Could you imagine when he said, if there's any other way, because he knew what Isaiah 52, 14 says. He said, I'm gonna be so marred. Beyond, listen to what it says in New Living Translations from verse 14. For many were amazed when they saw him. His face was so disfigured, he seemed hardly human. And from his appearance, one would scarcely know he was a man. Can you imagine how he felt when he knew this? This is what's going to happen to me in just a few hours. This is what's going to start taking place. Why? Because he knew what the scriptures had said about him. How would you feel if you know some tragic thing? How, how would your praying be? Listen to what the Amplified Bible says of that verse. Man, this is, this is a tough, this is tough. For many the servant of God, Jesus, became an object of horror. Many were astonished at him. His face and his whole appearance were marred more than any man's and his form beyond the sons of men. 
but just as many were astonished at him. The Bible says he was a picture of horror. The Bible says he didn't look human. When they got through doing to him what they did to him, he did not even resemble a human being. And he said, God, if there's any other way, if there's any other way, let this cup pass from me. He said, nevertheless, God, not my will, but yours be done. Another translation says many people were shocked when they saw him. His appearance was so damaged, he did not look like a man. His form was so changed, they could barely tell he was a human. The Message Bible said he didn't even look human. A ruined face, disfigured, past recognition. This is what Jesus... You know, we... Several days ago, it it wasn't last night that God told me to minister like this. We shout over the resurrection, but we can't forget what took place prior to the resurrection. Our appreciation of what Jesus did should grow mightily even after we hear this today. Could you imagine... He knew what Isaiah... You believe he knew what Isaiah 52 said? You believe he had ever read it? I believe he did. He studied that book. He knew what that book said because it says so much about him. And he also knew what Isaiah 53 said. Here's what he read in Isaiah 53. He was despised and rejected by men. A man of sores and acquainted with grief. And we hid it, as it were, our faces from him. And he was despised and we esteemed him. We did not esteem him. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And by his stripes we were healed. And by his stripes... We were healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted. Yet he opened not his mouth. He was led as a lamb to the slaughter and as a sheep before it shears is silence. So he opened not his mouth. He was taken from prison and from judgment. And who will declare his generation? For he was cut off from the land of the living. For the transgressions of my people he was stricken. And they made his grave with the wicked, but with the rich at his death. Because he had done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He has put him to grief. When you make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed, he shall prolong his days. And the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. He shall see the labor of his soul and be satisfied. By his knowledge, my righteous servant shall justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. You think he read that scripture? You think he knew what was about to take place in his own life and in his own body? You could imagine the prayer and how agonizing it was when he was praying 
in that garden that day. And then after the soldiers, after the soldiers had came and taken Jesus, we're going we're gonna to re- uh, fast forward. Of course, that was about 700 years before Jesus actually was even born. Isaiah prophesied that and said that of Jesus. Then Jesus was arrested in the garden, and he was standing before Pilate. In verse 26 of Matthew 27, then he released Barabbas, because we know the story that one person he always released at, uh, on, on, the, on the Sabbath and, and uh, or, or, or on Passover, and he always released them, and, and so they wanted Barabbas over Jesus. But the Bible says he found no fault in Jesus. Pilate found no fault in Jesus. But notice what it said in verse 26. It said, Then he released Barabbas to them, and when he had scourged Jesus, he delivered him to be crucified. You know, I've heard so many... I say so many, not so many, but a few people say, well, Jesus didn't literally take... They didn't literally beat him. They didn't really do that. But Isaiah said they would. And by his stripes, what would take place? We would be healed. They scourged Jesus when he found no fault in him. Why? Because it was prophesied that it would be. It was prophesied it would be. Jesus knew he was going to be scourged. And I'm pretty sure he knew the severity of what it was going to be. Why? Because it was not going to be the Jews that did it. It was going to be the Romans that did it. Now, the Jews only allotted for 40 stripes. Romans give as many as they wanted. But here's the scenario. You know, you say, I don't really need the, the, any details. Honey, it was detailed in the Bible. And so many people's not reading it. So many people's not. They just think, well, this, this, this salvation, well, there's nothing to salvation. Jesus died. He went to the cross. It's fine. Listen, Jesus paid a severe a price for you and I to be free. Salvation to us is free. It costs the blood of Jesus. But to him, he paid a tremendous price for our salvation. We're celebrating the resurrection. Yes, of course we are today. But I'm telling you something. When they took Jesus and they scourged Jesus, here's what they said they did. Here's what I read they did by a Greek scholar that studied all this out. He said literally it was with two soldiers, two Roman soldiers. That that's all they, that, that's what they did. They, 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 they whipped people and they had a wick, a, 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 a whip with a cat of nine tails. They had like bone on it, rock on it, glass on it, anything that would cut. And it says they had him so tied up to a whipping post with his hands like that where he couldn't wiggle, couldn't move, and he was tied there where you couldn't move. They literally stripped him naked. And that was one of the most humiliating things for a Jew. Because the Jews believed that they were made in the image of God. So he was shamed. And it said they, when they would, one would hit and the other would hit. One would, and here's the deal. I don't mean to get graphic. I don't want to get graphic because I'll, I'll, I'll cry. They literally ripped him apart. They ripped him apart. That's why Isaiah 52 says he didn't resemble a human being when they got done. 
They couldn't tell he was human when they got done. They said most people would have died over the whipping that he he got. They ripped his flesh from from his bones. Literally, they uh, ripped him, uh, beat him, and 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 scourged him. And and listen, now we can I can understand more reading this why Jesus was in the garden saying, "If there's any other way, is there any other way?" No, you're it. You're the sacrificial line. You're the one that was prophesied in the book of Genesis way back then that the woman's seed would bruise the head of the devil, and that's you, Jesus. All right. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours. Then when they got through beating him, then the soldiers of the governor took Jesus in the praetorium and gathered the whole garrison around him. And they stripped him and put a scarlet robe on him. They said a garrison of soldiers was between 300 and 600 men. Was between 300 and 600 soldiers that was in that praetorium that day. And the Bible says they stripped him and put a scarlet robe on him. Now understand, this is after he's been beaten. This is after he had been scourged. This is after by his stripes. You are healed. And when they had twisted a crown of thorns, they put it on his head and a reed in his right hand, and they bowed the knee before him and mocked him, saying, Hail, King of the Jews. Well, about you, but thorns hurt. They made a crown of thorns, put it on his head, and what they had done, they had got a reed and put it in his hand because this was a mockery to Jesus. And they put it in his hand, and here's what was said. They said there were six, there were uh, six, three to six hundred soldiers, and every single one of those soldiers walked by Jesus, and here's what they did. They walked by him, and they said, Hail, king of the Jews, then they sped on him and took the reed and struck him on the head. So three to six hundred men walked past Jesus, took that reed, hit him over the head, spat in his face. They even in John says they plucked his beard out. They literally abused him while he was standing there and it wasn't an honor, it was a mockery and they each one, time after time, after time after time, went by and did exactly the same thing. And they mocked him. They mocked him. It was a mockery. Now we can understand a little bit why his prayer was the way it was prayed in the garden. See, he he was still getting the abuse that he knew was coming. And when they mocked him, they took the robe off of him, put his own clothes on him, and led him away to be crucified. They led Jesus away to be crucified. He carried his cross. Do you know he carried a cross so you wouldn't have to? You know, we... And I I didn't, didn't really think about... Sometimes you read somebody's account of things that you really didn't think of the way it is, and you think, wow... This, this is tough. And he said, 
People decorate crosses up to make them so pretty now. He said the cross is a hideous thing. A cross was a place of execution. And I'm telling you something, when Jesus took care of that cross and he went and they hung him on that cross, I mean, we think, well, the suffering's already done. No, he's still, he's still, he's still suffering. You know why? Somebody said, well, the nails held Jesus at that cross. The nails didn't hold Jesus at that cross. Love for us held him on that cross. That's what held him on that cross. I mean, when they put him on there, they nailed him to that cross through his wrists and through his feet, put his feet together, nailed him on that cross. And I'm telling you, he had done been beat, battered, spit on, ridiculed, stripped naked, and all these things had taken place in his life. He didn't resemble a man. He was, he was a picture of horror. But I believe one of the worst things, one of the hardest things for Jesus to take was what he did right here, what he said right here in verse 46 or verse 45. It says, now from the sixth hour until the ninth hour, there was darkness over all the land. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. That is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That had to be the hardest thing for Jesus to take knowing God was going to turn his back on him, that God was going to have to look away from him. And I got to thinking about it last night. God had to look away from him so he could look at us. And so he cried out in the book of John. He said, it is finished. Literally, he said, I have accomplished what you have given me to do, God. I have accomplished it. And so he went to the cross. He died on the cross. But you know, the thing about it is, if we had been there, we would have seen what they did to him. We would have seen the whipping they gave him if we'd have been there. We'd have seen him carried to the cross. We'd have probably watched and saw what happened. We'd have saw all that. But then when he breathed his laugh, he cried out, God, why have you forsaken me? When they, they took him down off of that cross and he had done released his spirit from his body, we don't see what happened after that. We don't understand what took place. We do understand that, but many people don't understand. Listen, it wasn't over when he released his spirit from his body. Jesus went to the place called hell. The Bible says he would not leave my, 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 uh, his holy one in, in Hades. And so he went there and for three days he was in the heart of the earth. You gotta understand something. Jesus did everything for us. He did everything for us. Everything he did was for us. Why? Because Jesus had done nothing wrong. He was the perfect sinless lamb of God. He was totally righteous. I mean, he was right standing with God. He never messed up, never made a mistake, never lied, never cheated, never did anything that was wrong. Why? So he could take, he could literally deliver us who had done a lot of things wrong. 
I don't know about you, but I am so glad somebody took my place in the place of the damned, in the place of hell. And Jesus did that. 1 Peter 2.24 says, Who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree, that we, having died to sins, might live for righteousness by whose stripes you were healed. Listen, Jesus took all our wrongs all our failures, all our mistakes, He took them on Himself. He took them, and not only that, He took every sickness, every disease in His body. He bore those for you and I. So we can understand why Jesus was in agony in the Garden of Gethsemane, saying, God, if there's any other way, let this cup pass before me. Then they take Jesus down from the cross. They take him to, uh, to Joseph of Arimathea's tomb. They put him in the tomb. And from what I understand, it was Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus that literally prepared him and put him in his tomb. They were both Pharisees, but they loved Jesus. And they, they were very wealthy, rich men. And they literally did, did spent thousands of what we would call our money on preparing and getting Jesus and putting him in that tomb. But here's the deal. The, the Pharisees and religious leaders went to Pilate and said, listen, that deceiver, that liar, he said in three days he was going to be raised from the dead. Now, we don't want his disciples to come to that tomb and take him and then start telling everybody that he was raised from the dead and the, the latter state of this situation would be worse than the first. So we want you to send guards to that tomb and put them on there 24 hours a day to make sure nobody steals him. So Pilate said, okay, we'll do it. So he had four, they were, I think they said there was like three shifts and there was like four soldiers each time and they stood around that tomb to make sure that Jesus didn't get stolen. But what they did not realize is because they thought it was a bunch of bull. And I think still people today think it's a lot of bull to it, but I'm here to tell you one thing. Jesus on the third day is what we're celebrating today on this Sunday, Easter Sunday. On that third day, death couldn't hold him. He had paid and, and satisfied the claims of justice to God, and I tell you what, I, I, I was just to say I'd like to have been in hell when this happened, but I don't want to be in hell when this happened. But I'm here to tell you, when all the, everything was satisfied, when everything was taken care of, I'm telling you, I, I believe God finally said, well, it's enough, I'm satisfied, now come on back up. I tell you what, I believe, you know, I don't know what went on uh, down in, 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 in Hades. I don't know what was going on. All I know is Hades is a place of suffering. Torment. 
But I'm here to tell you, in that dark hole, a light arose on the third day after the crucifixion. I'm telling you, the devil, If listen, the devil probably thought, I have won this war. Finally, I have got rid of that Jew. He's no longer going to be a problem to me. He's no longer going to be healing the sick. He's no longer going to be raising the dead. He's no longer going to be uh, uh, <clears throat> feeling, uh, uh, touching and changing people's lives. I have won. Until that third Morning, that third day when Jesus he come out of the tomb. Listen, he woke. Here's what the Bible says in the book of Revelation. It says, I am he who lives and was dead. And behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And I have the keys of Hades and of death. Jesus said, I want the keys to death, hell, and the grave. He took it. Listen, here's, here's why uh, Paul could say in 1 Corinthians that Jesus, oh, oh, where, where he said, oh, death, where is thy sting? Oh, grave, where is your victory? Why? Because Jesus defeated death, hell, and the grave. For who? You and me. My goodness gracious. And when he came out of that tomb, he came out victorious. He gave us the victory in him. See, he is alive. He has took our sins. He has redeemed us. He has delivered us, but it was a... a, 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 a how do I want to say that? It was a tremendous cost to him. All we have to do is say, we believe in you, Jesus Christ. We believe you died and rose again. But honey, let me tell you, you need to believe in what took place from the, de- from the, from the, from the, uh, arrest all the way to the resurrection. He did so much for us in that, in that period of time, in that few days. He took our sins. Listen, the Bible says, listen to this, for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. Who? What was the joy set before Jesus? I'm looking at a few people here. We were. We were the joy that Jesus saw when he, when he said, God, nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Why? Because listen, he could look down 2,000 years down, down the, down the history and ahead of him and see Cedric. He could see Randy Air. He could see your, all of us. Here, I'm doing this for you. That blood that was shed and round down that cross that day is just as powerful to wash sins away now as it was then. And so he went and paid the price. That's why the Bible says we've been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. That means we have been bought with a price, the blood of Jesus. And it washes our sins away. So when we talk about the resurrection, we can't forget the crucifixion. When we talk about the resurrection, we can't forget the scourging. Because all those are vital in your redemption. The Bible says Jesus redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us, for it's written, cursed is everyone who hangs upon a cross. 
for uh, that the blessings of Abraham may come upon the Gentiles. Listen to me. Jesus hung on that cross to redeem us from every curse that was pronounced upon people who disobeyed God in Deuteronomy chapter 28 starting in verse 15. And I'm telling you, it included so many things. Jesus redeemed us from all those things. So we got to understand the significance of the cross. We've got to understand the significance of the scourging. It was the plan. Jesus knew it was the plan. So how do he know? He read it. You know how you're going to know it was the plan? When you read it. God has a plan for you. Plans for good and not of evil. To give you a future and hope. You know how you're going to know those plans? By reading. By praying. By seeking God. Listen, everything Jesus did, He didn't do it for Himself. He did it for us. God wants us to understand the magnitude of what this resurrection represents. Paul said in Philippians, he said, that I may know Him. That I may know Him and the power of His resurrection. That I may know Him and in the power of His resurrection. And then he said, you can be in the likeness of this resurrection. Because Jesus was raised from the dead, you can be raised from the dead. Listen, there's uh, people are, uh, uh, need to understand, before Jesus Christ, they're spiritually dead. They're spiritually separated from God. And believing in Him makes Him their life and brings life into them. What the first Adam did, the second Adam changed. You need to read Romans 5. Jesus paid amazing price, but let me tell you something. When He come out of that grave, He didn't come out disfigured. He didn't come out not looking human. He came out the glorious King of kings and Lord of lords. Glory be to God. He might have went down as the Lamb of God, but He came out the line of the tribe of Judah. Listen to me. God loves us. When you read the story... And when you think about it, I like what Rick Renner said. At one point in the book that I was reading last night, and I don't remember what point because he took through there, and he said, you are to, you, you are to stop right there and thank God for what Jesus did for you. Thank Jesus for what he did for you. And I did exactly that. I stopped right there and I worshiped and thanked God for what he did. For what he did for me. Because without Him, I don't know what I'd do. I don't know where I'd be. But thank God I'm not without. All I could see was the blood running profusely down His body. And every drop of that blood meant something. And it means something to me. And I know it means means something to you. The Bible says we wash white 
snow. So on this Resurrection Sunday, let's shout for the resurrection. Let's praise God for the resurrection. Let's rejoice in the resurrection because without it, none of us would, nothing would change in our lives. But at the same time, let's remember. Let's remember what Jesus did. Let's, let's, let's thank him for what he did. Let's praise God for sending Jesus to die for us. Because I'm here to tell you, I don't know. I, I, I've read this story many times. I've watched The Passion of the Christ by Mel Gibson, which was probably one of the most uh, greatly depicted one that I've ever seen. Even that couldn't do justice to what Jesus actually went through and did. But when we read the story of the resurrection, we need to read the story of the crucifixion because he died. He went to the tomb. He went to hell, and then the third day he arose with the keys to death, hell, and the grave. We can appreciate that, can't we? We can love him for that, can't we? We can praise him for that, can't we? I'm telling you, what a good God we serve. What an awesome God we serve. Why don't you right to your home right now, right where you're at, just lift your hands and let's thank Jesus. Jesus, we thank you for yielding to your spirit, not your flesh. We thank you for taking and drinking the cup of our sin, for drinking the cup of our sicknesses and diseases, for drinking the cup of all our our, our mistakes and all the things that we've ever done and ever shall do. And we want you to know, Jesus, today that we love you with all our hearts, our souls, our strengths, and our minds. And we appreciate you so very, very much.